Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. If you could, if we've never met before, my name is Justin, and uh, my wife Jennifer and I are the lead pastors of Vivid, and we're honored and uh, really blessed that we get to share life with people this is a beautiful city, but it's really, uh, it's not mountains that make it beautiful. I think it's the people and uh, being able to be in community with you is such a special thing. Today, we want to stand in honor for the word of God, okay? Not in honor for me, but uh, while you're standing on your feet, if you would turn over the book of Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, I want to share with you this passage of scripture as kind of a backdrop, if you will, for the message today. Not really the focal point, but the backdrop. I want you to if you can, catch the tone of voice with me that Jesus uses in this particular story. Luke chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 38. Luke 10, 38 says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Can someone say that's honoring? I'll come on on this side of the room if you can say that's honoring. That's pretty honoring, right? Jesus with his friends coming through town. Martha goes, Lord, I want you to come to my house. Make yourself at home. I prepared everything for you. There's room, there's space for you. It says this, uh, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I thought this was kind of interesting, right? This maybe is a little less honoring. <laughs> She's like, come, make yourself at home. Just so you know, if you're in my home, I nag. It's un- unbelievable. Like, Lord, don't you even care? And then Jesus speaks to her, and I want you to catch this tone of voice. In, in Scripture, typically, if, if words are repeated, there's a reason for it. And I think some of us would read this next chapter, or this next thought in this way. Jesus says, Martha! Martha! But I don't think it's that. Let me read it again. I think he goes, hey, Martha? Martha. Like he's trying to get her attention, right? The Bible says she was distracted. I think she's going, Jesus, my sister, Mary, she's not doing anything. Tell her off. This one. Yep. This one right here, right here. And Jesus is like, Martha, I actually just want to get your attention. Martha, Martha, Martha. Like he's, he's catching her attention. And he says this to Martha. I got so excited. I lost my spot. He says this, Martha, Martha, You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only just this one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray today. Jesus, I pray that over the next few moments as we look to your word, that your spirit would illuminate truth to us, that it would point out in us the things of strength that need to be strengthened, that it would point out in us the things that are are faltered or failing and would give us the courage to move them aside. I pray that you would uh, point us in the direction that you want us to go and that you give us the courage to go there. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. You can take your seat. That is the backdrop for the message today as we talk about honor. If you're taking notes, I suppose you could write down the title, Honor's Role. Honor's Role. R-O-L-E. Honor's Role. What role does honor play in our lives. We'll pick this story back up in a minute, but 
As we're in this series, perhaps you weren't here last week, and if that's the case, please go back, listen to the podcast, or cheat off somebody else's notes, not like there's any tests coming up, but, but catch the, the heart intended behind this, this entire series. I was talking to someone this week, and they said, so you're preaching about honor in your church. Is that because there is a lack of honor? in your church and so you decided to preach on it like look we would never use the the stage as like a passive aggressive means to try to point out an issue with somebody like we just have this one person we don't want to have the confidence to have a real conversation with them we'll preach a series about it it'll be great but like, i think the bible's speaking to one of you you're in row three seat four <laughs> you know spotlight comes down on you no 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 this is not because there's a lack. This is because the heart of God towards you and I is always that we would receive the full benefit that he has in store for us. And so often in areas like honor, we miss the mark and so we miss the benefit. We miss the, the point that God is trying to make and so we miss out on the benefit that he desires to give us. Catch Martha. She has assumed this is what a person would want if they're, they're, they're worthy of honor. They would want me to go the extra mile doing small little tasks to make them feel important. Now, now follow again, the, the definition we're using for honor is to place value or weight on something. That's what the Bible's speaking of when it says honor, to place value or assign value to something. Martha is good-hearted. She's saying, Jesus, I assign value to you, so much so that my house is your house. So much so that I'm going to do so much to make sure you feel good. Meanwhile, Jesus is saying the most honoring thing that you could do for me is just listen. The most honoring thing that you could do in relationship with me is not to serve me, but to allow me to serve you. He said, Mary, she's just kind of sitting at my feet listening to the words that I'm saying. The words that I'm saying are actually good for her. The greatest thing that ever could be for her is that she would receive these words and put them into practice. Why would I take from her just so that you could make me feel good? I don't care what we eat today, Martha. Like whatever leftovers you have are fine. You're distracted with all these little details and all these little lists and you've wrung out the, the heart behind value and all that remains is the structure and the system and the hard knocks list of things you think that I want you to do. I actually just want a relationship with you. I just want you to, to know me and understand me. You know, in Luke 6, Jesus put it this way. He said, why do you call me Lord? Like, what's that whole thing about? Why do you assign that title to me unless you're going to listen to what I say? Like, like, don't flatter me. Don't give me lip service. If I am your Lord, then follow what I'm telling you to do, and it will be to your benefit. Do you know, if you, you might not take many notes today, but if you could write this down, I think it would be valuable for you. What we honor is what we define as valuable. And then what we define as valuable ends up defining us. Let me say it again. What we honor is what we define as valuable, and that we, what we define as valuable ends up defining us. For example, if you honor money, you say money has the greatest value. It is what we use to barter and buy and trade and sell. I will be willing to give up a lot of things for money. Time, pleasure, comfort, maybe even integrity. I'll give up all sorts of things so that I can acquire more money because it has that much weight and value to me. If that is what you live for, then in the end, money defines you back. It says you are worth this much. 
this many digits, this is where you put the decimal, that's your worth. And in turn, your value then is comparable to every other person. If you value money above all things and honor money, that is how I define my value, then it says you are more valuable than this number of people in society and less valuable than this many. It's all about the bank account. In the same manner, if you honor the praise of people, if you honor the opinions that others share for you, like that's where you put the highest value. You know what this looks like, and we all know what this feels like. You say, I will hide some things about myself that are true in order to get some praise for things that are false. You been there? I will present something inauthentic because I think it's what people want to see from me, and then they'll like me. If that's what you place honor on, then that's where your value will be, and your value will be held by the applause of others, and as soon as they withhold it, you feel like you have no worth anymore. Talked to a leader this week, met them for the first time, and they lead in a, in a congregation, they lead in a spiritual context, and they said, you know, I desire to share some things with the people I lead, like there's things I know they need to hear that would be good for them, but those aren't the things they want to hear. And if I tell them the things they want to hear, they won't come back. And I want them to come back. So I just tell them the things that they want to hear. Now, you think that I paraphrased it. That was verbatim, word for word, the quote. And I thought that this this leader living particularly valuing only that people show up, that they walk in, they sit down, and they, they show value by their attendance by their presence. But then we see Jesus. Look at Jesus. He's got a big crowd following him at one point, And he says, guys, just so you know, following me is hard. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to trick you and say that if you follow Jesus, life will get good. If you've heard that in church, it just wasn't true. Following me is tough. Doing the right thing is not always easy. Certainly not always what comes natural. And then some people were disillusioned. Like, well, in that case, why don't we find someone who's got, got an easier pathway for us? Why? Because Jesus didn't value the attendance of the crowd that was gathered around him. He valued pleasing his father who sent him. He said, my goal, my, he even put it this way, my food, like I need it, I'm nourished by it, is just doing what the father has assigned for me to do. And if I do that, I'm good. And the results will be what they will. But if I do that, I'm good. Isn't that like a pretty freeing way to live? If we were to assign value, for instance, on the word of God and say, what God asked me to do, I'm going to do. And then if it's God's will, it's kind of God's bill, like he's going to pay for it. Have you ever, ever heard that before? Like if God ordered something, then he pays for it, right? If he's given us command, he's ordered something in our life, he's placed order in our life for something, then he's got the bill. He's going to take care of those things. If we say, God, I'm going to place value on you, then in turn, he positions value back on us. Let me show you in another way in scripture. Turn to the book of First uh, Thessalonians, if you could. First Thessalonians. This is great. First Thessalonians. Uh, today's message is kind of it's like a create your own ending message. The message downtown is going to be totally different than it was in New West. We could go a lot of ways with this, Justin. We'll see what happens. By Justin, I mean that one, not this one. It would be crazy if I was speaking to myself. Okay, First Thessalonians, here we are, chapter 1. Can you go down to verse 2 if you would? First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. Paul is speaking to a, a church in Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki was a place at that point in time that was known prominently for the way that they worshipped idols with great 
uh, vigor and great excitement. But when Paul showed up on the scene with some of his friends, they actually planted what ended up being this incredible church in in this city. Let me read it to you. Verse 2 says this, We always thank God for all of you. We continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our... uh, before. God, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he's chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. We, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message even in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Now, for some of you, like, that was five verses. That's really long. But if you miss this next verse, you're going to miss the point. So zone in with me again. It says this, And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. Check out what's being said. Paul says, when we came to you, You saw in us something that you wanted to follow. You imitated us. You followed our lead. And in doing so, you now are worthy of imitating, and you are leading the way in this whole region. Do you catch that? What you place value on ends up defining the value that you have. He said you followed us, and by following us, now people are following you. Isn't that crazy in life? that the really simple way we can show honor to those who lead is by following them. Now, some of you go like, oh, man, honor gets talked about, and and it's usually talked about by the person on the top, and then it's always about how honor should be showed to the top, spoken from the top, about the top. Now, Now, let me show you this. Again, if you weren't here last week, I'll just quickly review and revisit. The Bible says this, that honor is an appropriate response for you and I to everyone. That means in any construct, we honor up. In our government, we honor up. I was talking to someone this week about the upcoming election, and the the quote that is often put out is, unless you vote, you don't have a right to complain. But as believers, we just don't have a right to complain. Vote or don't vote, doesn't matter. The Bible says our responsibility towards those in authority is to pray and to show honor. Like, that might mean that the, the agenda that God has for the next term in your municipality or in our province or in this country is not exactly aligned with what our value system is right now. Somehow God's got this bigger perspective about what he's doing. Our job, our role is to pray. Got super quiet in here. Some people are like, my job is to get on Facebook and make sure everybody I'm friends with sees all these articles that they shared with me shared back. I'm going to give thumbs up to everyone. And as I thumbs up all the things about the political scene that I don't like, together we will make a difference. And the Bible says this, make a difference by showing honor and by prayer. It's our right towards those above us in in leadership, our responsibilities to pray for them, responsibilities to show them honor. The Bible says that that honor extends also into social settings, into like your boss, your coach, your teacher. It extends into family settings like your parents. It extends into the church like those who are over you in the faith. Let me show you in Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter 13. We'll come back to Thessalonians, but Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, show regard to those who are leading in in the faith and, and honor them. In doing so, you will make it a joy to lead you and not a burden because that would have no benefit for you. Again, the heart of God is that we would receive the benefit. 
It's, it's a joy to those who lead you if you follow them. And that would be better for you anyway because you're going to learn something along the way. How many people here are parents? Any parents in the room? Got a couple parents in the room, and those parents, some of you have little kids. Little kids, it's funny. You have your first little kid, or, and you're like, man, getting out of the door is so much harder now. Like, I'm just trying to get out the door, but I have to remember all their stuff. Got to remember all their things. And then your kids get a little, little older where they're able to, like, put their shoes on their feet. And then it gets slower to get out of the door. Because they're like, okay, kids, shoes on. And you're like, shoes, feet, shoes, feet, shoes. Shoes are there, feet are there. Why are the shoes there when your feet are there? Why aren't your feet in those shoes? The shoes are there. I bought you the shoes. The shoes fit you. Put them on your feet. Have you ever been there? Parents with a little bit older kids, people who were once a little bit older kids. It's an amazing thing that the simple act of showing honor, like I love it when I say to our kids, okay, it's time to go, and then they go, and the older ones get ready quick so they can help the younger ones, and there's this, and I, I walk up, and this small little act, I'm like, wow, life is so good. I like, I'm going to teach my kids everything I know. Isn't that kind of like it, it, it's like in any relational setting? When, when honor is shown by listening and responding, people say, based on that, let me show you more. That's what Jesus was saying about Mary. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying to those who would read it. If you show honor, it actually makes leading you a joy, not a burden. And that's better for you, the heart of God, that we would receive benefit. But again, if you were here last week, honor is not only to be shown up. If we're going to be people who live out the word, honor has to be shown to people that we feel we look eye to eye with on any org chart, whether it's at work, in the church, in family, in government, people that you feel like we're equals. The Bible says show them honor too. In fact, go to the nth degree, outdo them in the way that you show them honor. Here at Vivid, honor is not about pointing upwards on any sort of structure. Honor is up and it's down and it's all the way around as well. It's everybody who might be above you in some some sphere of life, everybody that you feel you can look eye to eye to, and then those that you need to crouch down. You say, in this setting, you're actually beneath me right now. Like that's what Jesus was doing to Mary. He's like, Mary, I love that you sat here. Don't worry about what your sister said. Don't worry that she's critiquing that you're not honoring me. This is the best place for you to be. How much honor did Jesus show Mary? Would have been easy to be like, Mary, listen to your sister. Mary, do, do what you're told. But he's like, Mary, I just want you to know, down on your, your level. And for you and I, in every sphere of life, people that we might feel are below us, we need to show honor as well. Like, like the best of our honor. I think one of the reasons is this, that in life we tend to not know which way is up. The Bible puts it this way. In the kingdom of God, often those who are last will end up being first. And those who are first will end up being last. Like we get it wrong. If we're just simply trying to point up at whoever we think is on top and show honor and flattery, the problem is we're probably going to be pointing in the wrong direction. So we might as well show honor up and down and, and all the way around. That's the heart that God would have for you and I. Yesterday I ran in a, a 10K race here in the city. And, uh, and as in doing so, like running's pretty humbling. You know, whenever run in an organized race, it's pretty humbling. You show up and, and maybe if you're like me, you look around, you're like, okay, that guy's real old. And then you start running and that guy runs away. And you're like, I don't see that guy anymore. Like, that's crazy. Like something like age, I just made this assumption that after the age of 80, I can probably beat you, but there's no shot. It's amazing how, how running can tend to do that. Pretty humbling thing. And, uh, and as I was running, I was pondering this concept of, of, 
honor. I was thinking about what I would be sharing today, and in doing so, I, I noticed this group of people who were there uh, serving others, and it stood out to me in a really profound way. If you've ever been in an organized race, there's this one group of people that are referred to as pace setters. Pace setters. Let me tell you about a pace setter. A pace setter is one who is, is running that race, not for their own sake, but for your sake. They're running that race with the intention that you could reach the goal that you had to finish. Not only finish, but finish in the time that you wanted to have. Their job is simply to run, and while running, hold this, this like long stick with a sign on the top that says the amount of time they're going to run that race in. Their job is consistency. Their job is accessibility. Their job, as I, I'm pondering it, is a lot like what Paul did in, in Thessalonica. He said, you can imitate us. You don't have to just listen to the words we say. You get to imitate the life that we live. I was noting the people who were pace setters. I, I, at one point in the race, I, this is not even a humble brag, I passed a group of people who were following a pace just because they were running a different pace, okay? But as I did, I observed some of the interaction that were taking place between the pace setter and those following them. This pace setter was completely relaxed. Like, like I, don't know, I don't know how she was moving, how quick she was moving, because it seemed like no muscle in her body was tense at all. She was just completely relaxed. She was not panting. I don't think she had started sweating yet, and this was like kilometer eight and a half. And while she was running, she was talking. While she was running, she was reminding people what they should be thinking about. And they came by a water station. She said, hey, guys, just so you know, there's time for everyone to get water. We're running such a good pace. We're definitely going to make it at this time. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't be the person who thinks you can't get water. You got time. I thought, what incredible leadership was taking place there? That if you could simply say, I'm going to just imitate you. I never run this race before. I haven't run this race at that pace, but if I follow you, you're going to get me there. Then she would. That was her job. That was her whole heart. And I thought, isn't it interesting that if that's like a picture of what leadership is like, isn't it interesting how often we can show dishonor to those who are leading? This is how we do it. First of all, we disregard them. We come over like, I, I, like, I think I can probably pace myself here. You think you can go at that pace, but I feel more energized right now. I'm just going to go for it. And you watch people who, who sprint off the starting line, and then they're, they're like keeled over it at kilometer three, puking in, in the ditch, you know, because they didn't know what pace to run. And I see this happen in life. I see this happening in people's spirituality. They come into a realization of who Jesus is, and they're like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the Bible six hours a day, and I'm going to preach the Word of God to everyone I've ever met. And then after like four days, when they miss one day, like I only had an hour today, I'm such a failure, and they just tank. You ever been there? You ever been that person? It's like what happens right after a summer camp or a conference or a moment of, of enlivenment. People go, oh, man, they crash. So what I tell people is this. You want to have a good devotional life? Try reading the Bible every day for five minutes, not six, not seven. Like, be real, read for five minutes. Don't miss a day. Just don't miss a day. And after a month, if you can do it for five minutes without missing a day, man, try ten. Like, like just be consistent. That's why all summer long we were reading through the book of Psalms. Now, if you want to, you, you can... Make yourself a big pot of coffee and just read through Psalms in a day. It'd be a long day, but those who like reading, like it's like reading a book. But that is not the goal. The goal is not checking the box like Martha, being distracted with all the things we should do. The goal is I want to learn from Jesus. So often we disregard leadership 
by simply saying, I'll run on my own pace, thank you very much. I think I've got the, I feel energized right now, but the problem is if you go by your feels, as soon as the feeling wears off, you, the confidence is gone. But if you say, I'm going to lock in with this leader, I'm going to go step for step, I'm going to stay in stride, then you end up striding instead of striving. Oh, that's good. And you, you, you find yourself getting to the destination at the time you required. Another thing I note that we can tend to do to leaders is we can tend to judge them on the speed that they're going. Like imagine somebody, imagine if as I'm, I'm running past this group, I was just simply running a different pace. This is not a moment of glory. I got passed by a lot of senior citizens, okay? But as I run past this group, imagine if I'm running back, I'm like, suckers, I'm way faster than your leader. Like, like I guarantee she could outrun me. No, no, like, I've, like easily. She w- I was sweating. I was panting. I was, I was giving it my very best. She was serving other people. She had a smile on her face. I don't get that. People talk about like a runner's high. I think it's a runner's lie. It's, it just doesn't exist. It's like we all do. It's just pain. But there she was serving others. Imagine that if I le- turn over my shoulder. You guys are suckers. I'm way faster than you. I'm going to finish two minutes faster than your group. Like that would be crazy, right? That would be so, so weird. But it happens all the time. When people look at leaders, I remember having a conversation once and I was, I was leading in a, in a church setting and somebody came to me and they said, you know what, to be honest, I'm just really disappointed because I expected that you'd lead better. And uh, if you led better, then our church would be better. And if you led better, then, then I'd follow. It was kind of like the sum total of the conversation. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, if you will follow, then our church will get better. Like if you, if you would join the, the group, we're, we're trying to, to go somewhere. We actually slowed down for you. We actually adjusted our pace for you to give you opportunity to join in this race. We want you on the journey. That's why we're going fast. Meanwhile, you go, that's not even very fast. Don't want to jump in on that. Don't want to get in on, on that. And, and, and that is honestly a lot of what leading feels like. And I'm not talking about just Jennifer and I as we lead this whole church, but in every team of our church, here in the downtown location is Dustin and Tessa lead and all of our, our teams like Sam leading and creative and all these different, what, what leading usually feels like is just pace setting. Like I feel like I got a stick in my, okay. You're like a leader with a stick. No, not that type of church. No, 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 no. Like holding a standard. Just going, hey guys, we got this. We're going to run this pace. Could I run faster? Yep. Could I run farther? Of course. But, but we want to do this together. The, co- the goal is not just to get somewhere as fast as we can. The goal is to do it together. Did you, you follow that? He, write this down. Don't, you didn't take lots of notes because it's not a very concise point-by-point point message. But catch this. Leadership is not about being first in significance. But it is about being first in sequence. Let me say it one more time and then describe it. Leadership is not about being first in significance. But it is about being first in sequence. In other words... I've been there before. Like, that's what I noted as I watched this lady setting pace. She, she wasn't better than anyone. She had just been where they're trying to go. Sometimes we, we think, I don't know if I want to show honor because I don't want that person to think that I think they're better than me. They're no better than me. We're all equals. It's true. You look through Scripture, you would see a, a pretty convincing case for that, that God loves us with this incredible uh, equality, and yet he somehow loves us uniquely, and he calls us to different sort of things. But leadership is not to say, you're better than me. Leadership is to say, you're ahead of me. I want to follow where you're, you're going. That's why if you're trying to start a business, 
and you go to a friend who's never had a job and say, I just want to run my business ideas past you. That's a really bad idea. Like, wouldn't you rather find somebody who's like running in that lane and running well and say, I want to keep my pace with you? I want, I want to keep in pace and keep in step with you and even better show them the honor of letting them know that you're learning from them because know what they're liable to do is to slow down and to let you follow along, to slow down and make their life more accessible to you. That's what leadership should feel like. We, we really work hard to, in every aspect of life and church life, be accessible. Our goal is not that leaders would be elite. Our goal is not that, you know, by leadership you can be at arm's length. We want to be accessible. How can you imitate what you don't understand, what you don't know? Paul, in, to the Thessalonians, he actually said this. When we came to you, like we could have come with authority. Like, it, like we have the right to authority. But he said instead we came like kids. Actually uses that term. We came like kids. Because why kids don't think about authority structures, do they? Kids are like, what is your name? Hi, Ethan. My name is Jake. Want to play? Like that's essentially Paul saying this. I, we just came like base level, accessible, real. Did we deserve honor? I guess. Could have we demanded it? I suppose. But that's not like honor is a gift given, not a, a responsibility demanded. So we just came like, like kids. We poured out all our care. And now he's saying to a more mature church, if you read all of Thessalonians, by the way, so good. But as he's speaking to them, he's like, you have no idea how hard we worked. Like we were busting everything we had, like doing everything we had just to make sure that you were well served. But as you, you followed and imitated, now you have become the model for what church looks like. And that's really in many ways what leadership feels like running with a standard, saying, hey, guys, we got time. We got time for some water. No, you're not going to be left behind. You got this. You're in this so that you can finish your race. Turn to the book of Hebrews with me, if you will. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Remember, I referenced Hebrews 13 and 17 where it talks about showing honor and regard for your leaders and in doing so making it a joy for them, not a burden. But turn back to, to Hebrews chapter 12 and, uh, and catch this tone again, Hebrews chapter 12. Now, Hebrews is probably one of the most eloquently written books in the entire Bible. Hebrews is written with his incredible knowledge and understanding of the, the modern Greek of that time. It's used not just really simple, basic words. We're talking about a piece of art. Also, it understood and had this huge context of all Hebrew history pre-Jesus. And so it's pulling in concepts all the way back to like Melchizedek and, and making it relevant for the moment. If you sit down and read Hebrews like a sermon after the first page, you're like, whoa, my, my, my notebook's full. I just need to stop and digest this a bit. It's a brilliant book. Hebrews is amazing. And then you get to Hebrews chapter 12 and the author says this. Let me read it to you. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now, I want to propose to you that the author of Hebrews, if they really wanted to, could remind everyone, and I am one of those great witnesses. Like, for real, you just read my manifesto, and it's really good. Like, like superpower. I got this together, but, but instead the, the tone is this. Check it. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us. Can someone say us? Come on, everybody. Can you say us? says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us, someone say us, 
We're going to try this again. Someone say us. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for, you guessed it. Thank you. Thank you. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Can someone say you? This passage of Scripture is about your race. The, the writer is speaking to your life and my life and saying, I want you to win. But the approach is this. Let us run together. Let us throw off what entangles us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? So you can win. That's a, a beautiful picture of leadership, isn't it? I'm going to join you in your race. I'm going to help you untangle your, your, the things in your life that are holding you back. I'm going to remind you what you should be focusing on so that I can step back and say, you did it. You got this. And that's the heart and desire of leadership. I want to speak to some people in the room today. You're in a position of leadership, even in your family, in a church context, in a, a work setting, maybe in a governmental setting. You have some authority in life. Don't be the leader who demands respect. Be the leader who, who commands some honor by the way you live. Don't be the one who comes alongside and, and maybe like Martha points out the flaws in others and how they're doing some things that they, they should be missing. Be the leader instead who lowers yourself and says, you're already doing the best thing. Show honor in, in all directions. Let's not be the leader who would come. Imagine if Paul had come to Thessalonica and said, I know you don't know me, but I'm a big deal in Jerusalem. Like everyone there knows me. They call me an apostle. Instead, he came like a kid and said, what is your name? And by the exemplary way they lived their life, they end up being imitated. And by their imitation, they ended up growing in that community something that was changing the world. If you're in a leadership position, let, let's not be those who come and say, you're not running fast enough, you're not running hard enough, you better go run your race. Instead, let's use words like us. Let's run together. You, you, you're working through that thing in your relationship? Let's get through it together. You're trying to figure out that financial thing right now? I got you. Let's get this together. Let, let's make some better decisions. Trying to get your health on track? Okay, let's, let's do this. What, what, so you can run your race. That's what honor from a leader to someone following them feels like. And what an honor from someone following feels like is listen and put it into practice. Let's be the type of people who live with all the benefits that come with honor. In the end of the day, I watched a group of people make their way across the finish line with a pace setter. And in the moment they crossed the finish line, the pace setter just kind of disappeared into the crowd. And they did it. They made it. And you see people like, oh, <laughs> I did it. And they're, they're placing medals. It's pretty funny. You get this medal. It's called the completion medal. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh. They're biting it as if it were like an Olympic gold medal, like taking pictures. I did it. And, and, and I think that's actually a beautiful picture of what this journey of life feels like. like. We're working really hard to run the race set out for us. And there's people in our life intended to help us, their job, and what they are accountable to before God is to help us get there. And our responsibility towards them is let's show some honor. Let's give some weight to the words they carry.
because they're here to help us. They're here to help us get where we're trying to go. Turn to First Th- Thessalonians. We'll finish here, okay? First Thessalonians. I want you to catch this as the team comes back on stage and we take a moment and give honor to God where uh, it is always due. First Thessalonians chapter 15. First Thessalonians, if you were to read it through and hear the, the heart of Paul, right? It starts, he, he says things like this. I'm not calling to tell you, calling. <laughs> I'm not writing to tell you like you should be doing different things. I'm writing to remind you to just keep on doing them more and more. Like a lot of what leadership feels like where there's a presence of honor is encouragement. A lot of what leadership feels like is coming alongside and saying, let's keep going. Let's keep giving. Let's keep running. Let's, let's keep doing it more and more. But then it says it down to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. It says, verse 12, Now I ask you, brothers and sisters, acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and even those who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work and live in peace with each other. You know, I told you the message was entitled Honor's Role. The the role that honor plays in our life is defining value, which will then in turn define the value in us. But there's also something important that we honor role in our lives. And every one of us are subjects to to some authority in work, in family, in church, in, in, in government. Every one of us, it's a gift that we give. I, I'm, you don't have to earn my honor. I grant it to you as a gift because I want the benefit that comes with living that way. Are you with me? You with me? I know honor is the, it's not the easiest thing to talk about, but once we begin to imitate it, I'm telling you it positions us for incredible influence. It positions us for incredible freedom to run that race marked out for us. Would you stand to your feet with We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church Podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.